morning. Good morning to those of you who are watching online. A special congratulations to our graduates as well and their families and all that have supported them to reach this achievement. If you're watching online right now later in the week and you're trying to find the grad video, just rewind about 30 seconds and you'll, you'll get to it. So you can find it on there. Um, one of the things that would be true is that, uh, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And it takes me a while to catch on to things. So when I um, first started in ministry, I started as a youth pastor. And uh, one of the things I loved about being a youth pastor is that the students were available to us all summer long. And so we could do all kinds of exciting events. Um, but the thing is, like many of you, I got married in the summer. I got married in August. And so it took me a few years to realize that I shouldn't plan youth events on our anniversary. In fact, it took me five years, uh, and it was actually on our fifth anniversary uh, that I remember that we, I had booked a large youth event to go to Lawrencetown Beach in Halifax. And if you've been to Halifax, you know what an amazing and wonderful beach this is. Uh, but I booked it for our fifth anniversary, which not wise, not wise. So anyways, we get up that day, we go to the beach with about 60 students. We're all there to swim. Lawrencetown is known for its great waves. You can surf on the waves. Uh, we were having so much fun. It got to the time to go into the water. I took off my watch. And back then I was skinny, so my wedding band kind of rattled around on my, arm, on my hand. So I took off my wedding band and put it in my gym bag, and I ran into the, and we swam all afternoon. It was wonderful. Came out of the water, reached down into my gym bag, grabbed my watch, slapped it on, and reached down to find my wedding band. And you know what happened. It wasn't there. When I had reached down and whipped out my watch, I whipped out my wedding band, and it landed somewhere on that beach. Did I mention it was my fifth anniversary? <laughs> so I immediately called these students together, these 60 of them, and I made them form a long line. And I got them to get on their hands and knees, and they started working through the sand, looking frantically for my wedding band. They never found it. They never found it. And thankfully, my wife is gracious, and in three years' time, understood. So. Uh, <laughs> Today we're going to talk about something of great value that gets lost and then it's found. Something of incredible value and it gets lost and then it gets found. There's three parables and we've been going through the parables of Jesus these last number of weeks. Uh, there's three parables in Luke chapter 15 back to back. Um, and they kind of build in intensity. The first parable is about someone who loses one item out of a hundred. So they've lost one percent. The next, they lose one coin out of ten, therefore losing ten percent. The third parable is about them losing one son out of two or a loss of fifty percent. There's a building in intensity in these parables. But at the center of all of them is losing something of great value. Now, the thing about these parables is they're about objects in the stories, but Jesus doesn't want us to think about objects. Luke mentions at the very start, and we'll get to it in a second, that there's two groups of people that are in particular listening to these parables that Jesus is telling, and they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, at least for some. 
Uh, on one hand, you've got the religious leaders of the day, uh, the experts in the law, the people whose job it is to study the scriptures, figure out how to live, tell other people how to live, and kind of live that way themselves. So the kind of the most religious of religious people. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got, as Luke will call them, tax collectors and sinners. We'll just call them sinners uh, for today. Um, just sinful people. People who, you know, on one end of the spectrum, they're trying really hard to live a righteous life. On this end of the spectrum, they're not trying at all. On this end of the spectrum, people are working and trying to do the things that will bring them near to God. On this end of the spectrum, they're not interested in that at all. And Jesus tells a story that speaks to them both. Now, we're going to talk about spiritually, being spiritually lost today, and I just want to be really clear from the outset um, that as we talk about people who are spiritually lost, in my experience uh, as a pastor, talking to people who would call themselves spiritually lost, maybe a very, very small percentage would say, I know exactly what God wants of me, but I'm not doing it. I know exactly what God expects of me, but I'm going to go do my own thing. That's a very small percentage of the people. Most of the people that I talk to who find themselves spiritually lost have had an experience in life that moved them around so dramatically and left them disoriented, kind of facing a direction that they never thought they would ever face in their life. Those are the majority of the people that we, or that I have visited with, who find themselves spiritually lost. So I just want us to have that in our minds as we think about this parable we're going to look at today. So let's turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, just eight verses, verses 1 to 8. It's on page 1623 if you want to follow along with the Bible and around you, or you can look it up electronically as well. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. Now the tax collectors and the sinners, we've already talked about them, were all gathering around to hear. Just think about that for a second. When Jesus spoke, they were curious about what it was that he had to say. It captured their attention. Verse 2, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and this would be the religious law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. To welcome somebody into your home and to have a meal with them was your way of saying, I accept you. Jesus, seeing all of this, told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So Jesus starts out with this story. Suppose you have 100 sheep. Now, in our audience, we might not think a lot about that. In Jesus' audience, this would have been comical because there was religious people there. And there's not a chance that religious people would have ever thought of themselves as shepherds. Shepherds were unclean. They did filthy, shameful work. If you saw a shepherd, you would not shake their hand. You would cross to the other side of the road and they would never be allowed in a gathering like this because they were seen as unclean. 
But Jesus says to these religious people, as the storytelling ninja that he is, imagine for a second that you have a hundred sheep. Or imagine that you're the filthy, unclean people who wouldn't be allowed in a gathering like this. And then he says, imagine you, are, you have a hundred sheep and you've lost one of them. Now, most people know that sheep are slow and stupid. So if you've lost one, you're a lousy, you're a lousy shepherd. So not only are you a dirty, unclean shepherd, but you're not a really good one at that. And I don't know about your temptation. My temptation when I hear that is to think, who cares? It's one sheep. I mean, you've got 99% of them still. How many of you grads got 99% grades when you graduated? Anybody? There's probably somebody here. Or got 99% in at least one course? Me neither. I mean, that's a pretty good average, right? If your GPA is 99, like everybody's high-fiving you. I mean, that's a major accomplishment. Why is it not great in shepherding? Notice Jesus doesn't even allow them the opportunity to say, we're not going looking. Don't you, he says right away, if you find that you've lost one, don't you jump into action? Don't you do something right away? If you're out there counting and you get to 99, and then you count again because something's wrong and you realize you get to 99, you jump into action to find where is that lost sheep, right? See, Jesus is ever so subtly beginning to reveal something to the religious people listening to him, something about what they believe that Jesus wants to challenge through the telling of this parable, and it's this. These Pharisees believed someone's proximity to God determined their value to God. That someone's proximity to God determined their value to God. Meaning if you were a Bible reading person and a person that prayed and tried really hard to, to, to be a good person of faith, well, you mattered. Your value was high. And if you didn't read, you're not going to pray I really don't have any interest in all of this religious stuff, then your value is low. And this kind of thinking started to become entrenched into the religious system of the time. And Jesus is saying, you look at these sinful people whose lives you do not agree with, and you're willing to let them slip away because you don't think that they matter to God as much as you do. If you're willing to open, open to seeing some people, tax collectors and sinners, as unworthy to God, then maybe you'd be okay with a few sheep getting lost along the way as well. And for Jesus, this isn't about accounting. This isn't about return on investment. This is about heart. That your heart must be attuned to value the things that I value. And you might say, well, I look... They believe things different than us, so it's okay if they're not here. Or, you know what? They're in direct violation of the Lord's commandments. That's their choice. It's not our problem. Jesus does not allow them to go to that place. In his economy, there's no room for that kind of thinking. The value of the sheep has not changed, even though it's lost. Notice the language. My sheep he says in the parable. Reminds us of John chapter 10. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life 
for the sheep. Jesus is challenging the religious people in that day. And I think it's a good challenge for you and I today too. Whether it happens intentionally or just unintentionally over time, we cannot devalue people because of their proximity to God. And for us to be the church today, for us to be the people of God in this world today, we must never let that kind of thinking seep into our hearts or into our imagination because Jesus comes with good news for lost people. Even though they might be lost and they've given up on God, God has not given up on them. Even though maybe they didn't come back after the pandemic and nobody here noticed, God still sees them and notices. He's the shepherd who leaves the 99 for the one. He's the father who dashes from his house and runs like crazy to throw his arms around his son that wants to return. He's the one who suffers with us in our most challenging seasons of life, who cries with us when we feel that we're all alone, no matter our proximity to him now or in the future. He values us as his precious children. Let me just speak to the grads for a second. You're going to graduate from high school. Some of you are going to work, go off to school, travel for a bit. All of you different scenarios. Some of you who are graduating from college and university, same thing. Canadian sociologists would tell you that in this next chapter of life, it's likely that you at some point will become disconnected from your faith community. And for some of you, even disconnected from your faith. We hope not. But sometimes that happens. There might be moments, there might be chapters, there might be decades. Jesus is saying in this parable, no matter your lostness or your proximity to God throughout any of those chapters or seasons, you matter to him just the same. And he will always be looking to bring you home. It doesn't mean that he'll always approve of our life or our lifestyles or our choices, but what it does mean, and he's not going to run away from us when life gets ugly. And that is the kind of rescue and savior that we need. And Jesus wants the church, you and I as his people today, to embody that same spirit. So, the shepherd leaves the 99. Again, this is horrible shepherding advice. You don't do that. You're going to get fired if you do this. And he goes after the one, finds it, puts it over his shoulders, and now a party is needed. Texts are sent out to friends and family. Food starts getting prepared because a person of great value that was lost has been found. Now, I said at the beginning that this parable is kind of directed in two different directions, uh, kind of to the sinners and also to the religious community. Um, and Jesus is using at the very end, he uses the language of repentance, which is such wonderful language. Uh, repentance is a, actually a military term that means to change directions. You're marching in this direction. Something happens. You have a moment. You have an experience. You discover God is reaching out to you, and you turn and you go in a new direction. It literally means a changing of your mind. That how you think about life and how you think about this world and how you think about your value and place in this world, it changes. That's what repentance means. And for people of faith, repentance is not a one-time only thing that you do just at the moment you come to faith. 
We do it again and again and again. It might not require a full 180 degree turn, but there's going to be moments in all of our lives as we read, as we study, as the Spirit does things in our lives where we realize, I'm a little off course here. I need to repent. I need to go five degrees this direction. I'm kind of getting into some trouble over here. I need to repent and go in this direction. It's an ongoing behavior that every disciple should repent again and again throughout our life, keeping us alive, aligned, and on course with Christ. But this parable speaks to those people who would say of themselves today, you know, I'm spiritually lost. For whatever reason, through my choices, through circumstances in my life, I find myself not sure where I am with faith, where I am with God. And Jesus says in this parable, Jesus has come looking for you, calling his voice to you longing to welcome you in grace, coming to find you where you are, not making you come to where he is, and with good news, that we can have a brand new start. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter what we did. God offers us a brand new start. Forgiveness of sins, welcome into his family right from the get-go. And he says at the end of this parable, he wants there to be no mistake that if one person today here would choose to welcome Christ as Lord of their life, heaven would explode in a party. There'd be confetti and stuff raining down all around us because it would be such good news because something of value was lost. And then they were found. And don't miss the joy of God in seeing people respond to his message and to welcome his coming home. This parable also was directed towards religious people, dare I say, church people. And you might not like that language, um, but I think it's for people who are trying to follow Christ. Back at verse 7 here for a second, let me just read it. Jesus kind of summarizes his whole parable this way. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus is not saying here that righteous people, people who live a life of holiness, who long to live a life of faith and obedience, don't matter. That's not what he's saying here at all. One righteous person is a huge deal because you and I know how hard it is to live out the Christian life, to be obedient, to live life in step with the Spirit, to experience His grace and mercy, to keep making those mid-course corrections in our life and repenting a little this way and a little this way to stay on track. We know how challenging that is. And Jesus says not one, not five, not 50, 99. Now, if there was 99 righteous people here today, we'd bring them up on stage we would applaud them. You'd want to get their autograph at the end of the service because it would be such an amazing feat. Jesus is saying to these religious leaders, I know how much you value that. But you don't value lost people enough. And you need to lift up, elevate the value that you place on people who are far from God. You need to repent of your old way of thinking about lost people and make a mid-course correction. Now, this causes us all just to take some time and think, is there a person, 
Are there a group of people that in our minds and in our hearts we'd say matter less? Has the thinking that someone that's far from God matters less? Has any of that thinking seeped into our minds and to our hearts? Then if so, Jesus says we need to repent. Now as we've walked through the parables, we've talked about this ongoing theme of a gap. That as Jesus teaches, he opens our eyes to things, who he is, what his heart is like, what he values, what his kingdom is like. And we can't help but compare it to how we think about God and his ways and his kingdom. And I don't know about in you, as I've been reading through this, I keep recognizing there's a gap. There's a gap there. For the Pharisees, there was a gap. They didn't think people far from God mattered. Jesus says, they matter greatly to me. I'm going to throw a party for every single one of them. And it creates this space and this tension. And if Jesus... In my mind, I'm imagining him sharing this parable with religious people. And the attitude that he would want and the response he would want from the religious people might sound a little bit like this. Bear with me for a second. Hearing this parable, they would say, Wow, God values these people. I need to change the way I think about them. I've had impure thoughts and unkind actions towards these people, and I've justified it with my theology. In fact, if I'm honest, I've thought of myself as better than them. And as I hear Jesus teach, I realize I'm not just a little bit off base, I'm substantially off base. The gap between how I think about people and how God thinks about people is large. In fact, as I understand the Good Shepherd coming for people who've lost their way, I realize I'm the lost sheep in this story and that God has come for me. This parable is about good news for all of us. For all of us. And Jesus issues an opportunity to each of us today to say, Lord, I have the privilege, in light of this information, to make a change and take a step towards you in repentance. And as we do, we get to participate in the joy of seeing people who are lost, found, maybe even including ourselves. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this eight verses, a a short little story about cute little sheep that seems so harmless on the surface. But if we would be willing today to hear you call to us, it could be a story about how to find life. Lord, today I pray for anybody who may say of themselves, I'm a little bit spiritually lost right now. That just loss of direction, lack of clarity on how you feel about me, lack of clarity about how I feel about certain things. Lord, I just, I'm feeling lost. Then today I pray that they would hear the voice of Jesus calling them because he's come looking for you today. 
And Lord, I pray for people who may be here today and recognize that in our hearts there's been some attitudes or thoughts that have developed that aren't even close to yours. And there's a gap. And there's now a need for us to repent of that thinking so that we can see people as you see them. So we can live out your heart in a world today that is wondering what true faith really looks like. And we pray this in Christ's name.